0: Money FM 89.3, Best of Your Money. Read with Michelle Martin on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. Today, I'm reading a book that takes us inside Amazon so we can understand for ourselves the answer to this one question. What has fueled Amazon's amazing success? In our headlines today, capping earnings week, Amazon crushed forecasts of how much money it would rake in from the pandemic-fueled online shopping, saying this quarter its profit tripled and revenue soared 44% to $108.5 billion. And remember, it was just three years ago when Amazon made headlines becoming the world's second trillion dollar company so we are thrilled to welcome co-author of a brand new book it's packed with personal perspectives incredibly readable written by two men who have collectively spent 27 years at amazon my book pick for you today is working backwards welcome co-author colin Brier. how are you colin
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for inviting me on the show, Michelle.
0: Great to meet you. So your book opens with these lines. Amazon.com opened for business in July 2015, staffed by a handful of people, handpicked by Jeff Bezos. Colin, you joined in 1998. So you were part of the employee wave that witnessed the innovation that would see things like Kindle, Amazon Prime Services, and Alexa develop. Now, part one of your book includes a list of what it means to be Amazonian can you share with us an overview perhaps of some of the principles or company expectations that you have picked to share in this book
1: sure we, we got asked the question qu- quite often how does Amazon work and the first half of the book really answers the question in detail how Amazon works we go into detail on the key lead- on Amazon's leadership principles but then also five processes that Amazon um created to solve problems that every company faces how you hire people how you organize into teams how you communicate and make decisions, how you can uh, build, decide what new products or features to build, and then how you measure your businesses as, as they launch and as they grow big. And um, all taken together, those principles and scalable processes are what uh, Jeff Bezos coined the invention machine. So we really go into detail and give you the blueprints, give the reader the blueprints of this invention machine.
0: You met Jeff Bezos on your first day of work. What did he say to you that has stayed with you? Yeah, I remember
1: sitting in the orientation room. There are a couple other people who were starting that week. Um, you know, I think there were about a hundred people in the corporate department at that time when I started. So, I mean, I was probably like 101 or 102 in the corporate department. And, uh, Jeff came in and, uh, he said, I got up in front of the, the group. It was a small conference room and he said, we are um, at Amazon. We want to be Earth's most customer centric company and become the place where anyone can find and discover anything they might want to buy online. And he has held true to that vision you know, since March of 98 up, up until today. And uh, it's, it's been an amazing journey.
0: Yeah, and your book really centers in on this core idea of customer centricity, of working backwards from that point of desired customer experience. I wonder if you can help us understand how you decided to flesh out this idea or how important it really was at Amazon.
1: It is. It's core to how Amazon builds, decides what to build and how they build products. And it's the title of our book, but it's also the name of a very specific process at Amazon where you take an idea, embed it and decide to green light the idea and go build something. And a lot of companies, uh, which when they make a just try to decide what they're going to build next, they use what's called the skills forward approach. They ask questions like, what are our core competencies? What are we good at? What are our competitors doing? How can we nudge into an adjacent market? You know, there's a thing called a SWOT analysis. What do you, you look at? The strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Well, we r- realized we did the same thing, by the way, up until about 2003, 2004. But we realized we were not mentioning the word customer enough. And customer obsession is Amazon's first leadership principle. So we... Um, Throughout that traditional uh, management science thinking, and wanted to pivot and create a process that really has the customer front and center at the very beginning of when the idea is developed to make sure the customer is along for that journey. And so we created a, a process called working backwards, and uh, what that is is you just start with the customer experience and you work backwards from that. And sometimes that takes your company on a journey. You, you don't know where it's going to take you when you start out because you're just uncovering the truths about what the customer experiences, And then you, the company needs to adapt to meet the customer needs versus a company trying to build something and then trying to convince a customer to go use it.
0: How is Amazon and, Prime, for example, uh, one example of a customer obsession driven company, how how is Amazon Prime one example of customer obsession driving innovation, I should say? Yeah,
1: one example. So Amazon has what's called the Amazon flywheel. And tip of the hat to Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, he writes about that. And it, basically, those are all of the Um, customer-facing controllable inputs that a company can do to make the company better, to grow revenue, to increase um, share price. Instead of focusing on those output goals like share price and and revenue, you focus on what are the things that you have control over that you can do to improve the customer experience that if you do those things right, it will generate the desired output and revenue. Mm -hmm. And so with Amazon Prime, uh, we knew that Uh, free shipping was one of the biggest, or shipping costs are one of the biggest hurdles for customers to go uh, buy online. And at this point in time, when when Prime was being developed, it was only about one or two, between one and 2% of all commerce uh, retail was online. So we were not jostling with the other uh, online players. We were trying to convince the other 99 out of 100 people who were doing their shopping um, offline to come online. And we needed to remove the barrier to to free shipping. You can do free shipping that's easy, but to figure out how to do that in a profitable way and in a sustainable, scalable way is, is, is quite challenging. And so rather than Look at some type of a loyalty or points program. We said let's take this money and we'll invest it in the customer experience, and specifically, we're going to invest it into a premium shipping experience for customers because we know that if we can get uh, customers' goods in in two days, is when it launched. uh, They're never going to say 10 years later, well, Amazon is great, but I wish they would ship the products in five or 10 days. And so if we could work hard to get it down to two days and then once we're done there, you're never done. Then they ask, well, yeah, where's the one day shipping, free shipping button? And so you have to work to go from two days to one day. But um, that's how Prime started is is really um, how can you improve the customer experience in a long term sustainable
0: way? So let's get into how Amazon makes these ideas take off. I was interested to read in your book, you say, recent hires at Amazon will tell you about the eerie silence before meetings that last 20 minutes when after the chit-chat and the hellos, everyone sits at the table and reads a six-page document and everyone must read this document before any discussion begins. And you write, Amazon relies far more on the written word to to develop and communicate ideas than most companies, and that this difference makes for a huge competitive advantage. Now, first up, what is that six-pager before meetings for?
1: So it's a six-page memo, and it's uh, it's just a memo where instead of putting a slide deck together and presenting... The, the team, the presenting team, it's now the writing team, has to create a, an, a story arc and a six-page memo outlining if it's a decision that needs to be made or even if it's an update or questions that they want to pose to the management team. They have to create a, a rich uh, six-page memo that really completely defines the problem or, or the decision that needs to be made. And the difference between that and a, in a slide deck, it's, it's the difference between night and day, you know, just the pixel density of a written document versus slides is about seven to nine times. People can read faster than people can talk. And um, you can have a uh, multi-causal arguments in a, in a, a memo as opposed to the hierarchical slide, you know, next slide please and bullet points. And uh, so those 20 minutes, if you were to look at it through a different spectrum, you would just see a massive amount of information going from the presenters, who are the writers of the document, over to the people who are helping that team make a decision. And at the end, you know, so in an hour meeting, you can either have you know, 1x information or 10x information if you want to use slides or narratives. And if you have 10x information or more, you're typically typically going to make better decisions exiting the meeting. So Amazon uses narratives and, and memos to make better decisions. And like any company, we were using slides before as a decision-making tool. But slides aren't really that. Slides are a presentation tool. So we realized we were using the, the, the wrong tool. And most other companies were doing the same thing, but we decided to try something different it was actually in June of 2004 yeah. when Jeff Bezos said, we're switching over to narratives, and it was a rip-the-band-aid approach uh, for Amazon to move over to narratives yeah, versus
0: slides. I remember that when Amazon you know, announced that it was going to uh, remove PowerPoint in favor of Microsoft Word being the presentation software of choice, it made headlines around the world. But it wasn't always this way, right? I mean, you talk in the book about disaster meetings, really unpleasant meetings, uh, where the smallest infraction is seen as blood in the water There's accusatory sniping remarks. This is very familiar to those of us who've been at terribly run meetings with no ground rules, unproductive, full of lengthy asides. And by the way, I'm paraphrasing a beautifully written paragraph in the book that we're reading today, working backwards if you've just joined us. What was learned, Colin, from those disaster meetings at Amazon?
1: So those, those meetings were really metrics focused meetings where we're looking at data about the business and trying to improve. And I would say that, you know, we, um, we made a lot of mistakes at Amazon. And one of the mistakes we made early on was how we would approach those meetings. And, um, and so, you know, we would look at some data and when something get wrong, went wrong, we would focus on either the individual or, or really, um, just, you know, why did, you know, why did this happen? And, and like, who, who let this happen? When that's not really the right approach, you need to say, okay, there's a defect. Let's go make it right by the customer. But then you have to go say, what how something broke, a process broke down. So what do we need to put in place so this problem never happens again? And unless you fix that root cause, and we borrowed a lot from Toyota and the five whys to, you know, try to get to the root cause because it's usually a a series of events that happened, uh, you know, that made something go wrong and then fix it. So it never happens again. And even though they are little fixes, but over time they add up. If you have that right approach where, it's a safe environment to talk about mistakes and errors. And you want to talk about them loudly so other people don't make the same mistake. But you do that over and over again, you know, two, three years, you look back and you'll say, can you believe how primitive things were and all these mistakes we made? But now thank goodness we've put in all of these processes and monitoring tools and checks and into the process to make sure things work. So we had to learn how to become better operators and, uh, you know, Uh, companies, Amazon was no different from other companies when relying on individual efforts and heroic efforts to save the day when we were a smaller company. How do you remove that component and create scalable and repeatable processes so you can grow just as fast, but not make those same mistakes? And as you go through these processes, they have a feedback loop so you get better. So part of it's leadership, part of it's the data you look at, and then part of it's how you run those meetings. And it took us a while to, to figure out how to do that the right way.
0: Yeah, a lot of great insights there. Keep it safe space. Don't blame. Don't personalize it. Focus on the processes because very often when things go wrong, there are many, many different variables that go into writing a process so it doesn't happen again. In case you've just joined us, we are reading Working Backwards, taking a look at the principles and the processes that made Amazon so great and uh, a company that still aims for excellence and delivers it. Uh, we're speaking with Colin Breyer, the co-author of the book. Now, in the section on leadership, uh, I know leaders who do believe that their body odour smells of perfume. This is a paraphrasing of your, a line in your book. I mean, I know leaders who blatantly show they side with their sycophants and when they're confronted with evidence that they are wrong and flounder like dying fish out of water, doing anything to avoid uh, warranted criticism. So can you give us a sense of how leaders conducted themselves with regards to criticism at Amazon.
1: Well, one of the things we realized is we all make mistakes and making mistakes you can it, it's a learning experience and and if you want to be an inventive company you're going to try experiments and some experiments will fail. You can't really claim to be an inventive company unless you are willing to accept some amount of failure and Jeff Bezos has a quote uh, famous quote saying it's not an experiment if you know it's going to work going into it. So, if it is an experiment, there is a chance it's going to fail.
0: A very safe way you, of looking at things, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so the important thing is how do you handle the different types of failures? And so you have to have processes um, when there is a failure that you can learn from it and get better from that experience, versus it being a career, uh, you know, a career ender for 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 people. And that that holds for mistakes, small and large. You know, with the fire phone was. A pretty big mistake. Uh, I mean, mistake was a miss as a, you know, we created a, a phone for the market that didn't take off. And I thought one interesting part of the, that failure is Jeff Bezos was the one front and center talking to the press. And he, he said, I hope we're making even bigger mistakes right now, because we in order for us to push the envelope, we have to have some failures On like Fire Phone, because you only need a few successes like Amazon Prime or Amazon Web Services, which were experiments that we did not know were going to work when we started them. Those successes pay for a lot of experiments and a lot of failures along the way. So, uh, you know, it's it's an asymmetric uh, way of looking at it. A few big successes can pay for a a good, uh, has a good runway ahead of you
0: for the company. That's failure. But how did Jeff Bezos deal with disagreement?
1: So um, you know, disagreement. There there is a uh, leadership principle. It's disagree and, and commit. And so you want to have an upfront argument where the data rises to the top. It's not personality or who's the loudest. Um, you know, or, or who's you know the, who wears you down the most. And you say, okay, we'll go do it. So you have a healthy debate. But once the decision is made. Even if you personally disagree with that, you know the company has made a decision, and so you you commit to you know, to to go with the that decision until you know, there may be more data that comes along later, and you realize that you have to look at the data as it comes, and you have to be willing to change your mind. But so um, Jeff does handle the d- disagreement. Um, you know, he, he has a healthy debate makes a decision, but then the company gets behind it.
0: We are reading Working Backwards. Co-author of the book, Colin Breyer, joining us live. Read uh, your book outlines the principles and the practices that have allowed Amazon to be so incredibly successful. But we know that when a company grows as large as Amazon started in the 10s, then moved to over 500s, and then now, of course, you know, massive everyone in the company needs to internalize these principles that you're talking about in your book for them to work. They can't just be top down. So what was key to this happening? Well,
1: what was really key, so Amazon has 14 leadership principles. By the way, when they first came out, there were 10 of them and they evolved a bit over time. So I think that's one important thing is that you're company leadership principles can change over time you know so there's one one revision to them 14 is unusually large number for for a company to have but um, they're not just posters on the wall uh, for Amazon. They are followed. It's part of your DNA if you work there for any amount of time. And the reason Amazon can do that is they take those – Amazon took those 14 leadership principles and really stitched them into every important process that the company does. So how you hire people, for instance, there's the bar raiser process – it's all about um, trying to map the candidate's past behavior to do, do they exhibit, uh, how many of the 14 leadership principles do they exhibit? And you can go through each of the major processes at Amazon and you'll see several of those leadership principles shine and, and, and you can tell that they were built from the ground up based on those principles. So it's pretty rare to go through a couple of days or you know a week at Amazon without having an explicit discussion about at least one of the principles at, at, at Amazon. And so that's how it really becomes part of your um, you know, your daily work habit and your daily thought process. And these leadership principles are really meant to be what do pe- what can people fall back upon when they have to make decisions, they have to move fast, they don't have all the information they need, and the senior managers aren't in the room. So that is really what those leadership principles are there for. They're, and and it's, so that's why I think you see Amazon has a remarkably consistent um Behavior and you know customer obsessed uh, uh, vision and, and and mission across a, a pretty diverse set of, of product lines and geographies and businesses.
0: As the company grew, what was Amazon's approach to ideas that would fuel its growth? How did it take to radical ideas?
1: So radical ideas are were okay. You have to look at you know what is it. We um, go through the working backwards process. So that's what any idea does. So. Uh, there, there are a lot of great ideas, and the trick is, is this idea worth acting on? Is it big enough to, you know, you know does it have a, a lot of potential to uh, be worth acting on? And can you actually organize and, and go build and, and build this service? So there are a lot of ideas, and groups are encouraged to come up with them. And, you know, there, there are a ton that have not seen the light of day, by the way, or that go through this working backwards process, which is an iterative process. You read the press release in the FAQ, that's the that narrative document. Document we were talking about, and at some point you may decide it's not worth building or not worth building now. Um, so it's meant to to try to vet the ideas that have the biggest chance of succeeding when they get to the get to market. But the other thing I would add is that Amazon really focuses on what are the durable customer needs, and if like if you can work on something that, for instance, that lowers the cost structure of Amazon's retail business, you can afford to lower prices. That's going to pay dividends immediately when that's launched, but it's going to pay dividends for years to come. And so Amazon typically works, tries to look at things about, um, you know, what is not going to change over the next 10 years. And so how can we make that you know, experience better and work day in and day out? And that's why you see Amazon Prime started out at two day shipping. And now it's really measured in hours or minutes, in some cases, in some uh, geographies.
0: Colin, uh, listeners may not know that after Amazon, you made your way here to Singapore and you've worked here. So I wonder if any of these principles that you're talking about, you try to replicate uh, here in Singapore or with an Asian workforce. And how well did that go?
1: I, I, I did. So I worked at, at, over at RedMart Mart and uh, the online grocery de- delivery service. And we did, it was actually, RedMart was about the same size that Amazon was when I joined Amazon. And and so we were facing the same challenges. How do you grow really quickly? And uh, we did adopt some of the, the processes. And they work just fine. These Amazon processes and principles in the invention machine, they are tried and true. They work for small organizations as well as large organizations. As a matter of fact, when they started out, they were... They were in small groups at, at at Amazon, they work for a B2C um, setting like the retail business, pure digital delivery of goods like uh, Amazon Studios and Prime Video or a B2B setting like AWS. So they're tried and true. And then when you know, I went over to, to Redmart and spent a couple of years in Singapore, really enjoyed my time, uh, both at Redmart and Singapore, by the way. Um, it, while it was different, it took a little while to get used to. Once people got the hang of it, it was hard for them to go back to, you know, uh, the traditional way of doing things. But it was, there was no, um, no, uh, hesitation. And it it takes a little while to practice, you have to stick through it and have the discipline. But it is overall, we think it's a great way to operate a company.
0: Okay, so there's a bit of the Amazonian flavor over at RedMart, I think. Uh, Can you share with us whether the book makes a link between these practices? It's one thing to have these practices, but do we know that these practices necessarily lead to the kind of results that have allowed Amazon to become a trillion dollar company?
1: Well, you know, you can't go back and replay. Can you do Amazon without Jeff or without these principles and processes? So it wouldn't be a true experiment. But what I will say is that, uh, you know, we, you talk about how different Amazon's product portfolio is or business portfolio and, you know, devices and, and uh, B2B, B2C. Um, but the one thing that they do have in common, and there is one thing that's in common about all of them, which is how they were designed built and how they're operated. And they are, and they were it's using this invention machine. So I would say that that's um, pretty clear proof that it works uh, in, in a number of different uh, scenarios. And um, you know, so they're interesting stat. Amazon was the fastest company growth from zero to hundred billion dollars in revenue. Um, AWS, which started much later, Grew from zero to $10 billion faster than Amazon grew from zero to $10 billion uh, you know, back in, when it started in 1995. And that was without many uh, tailwinds from the retail business, did not really help out the AWS business. They were pretty much separate. So, um, you know, Amazon started a brand new industry and cloud invented cloud computing and and did it pretty quickly using these principles and processes.
0: Turn your company into an invention machine. I like that line. You can do so by picking up the book, Working Backwards, Hot Off the Presses, Insights, Stories and Secrets from Inside Amazon. Colin Bryant, thank you for joining us.
1: Oh, thank you so much for inviting me, Michelle.